Let's make this a quick one, Daryl. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's late. I'm tired. I had a big day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. And you guys have tuned in to No One Likes the Tuna podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. We're joined Beautiful. this week. What is this? H4, H4, 5, Eight episode four of our cycle twenty one here. Yeah, episode four of cycle twenty one, and we watched the fate of the furious this That's week. Right. Uh, hot take, bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> bad movie. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, I feel I tried to I tried to front load us with the um, the worst. I feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, four or five, you know, get you going, but then somehow you need to sneak yeah, in some I of mean, these I low do, feel movies. I do f- feel like I'm on a level. You know, I'm fluttering on a level. This, however, has caused a temporary sort of dip in the flight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, how was your watch through? Um, I mean, about about the same. Yeah. You know, it's it's such a whatever movie. Yeah. Complete. You okay? Let me get some honors going here. Yeah, man. It's that kind of day. I had a big day. We're shooting something at Silver Cup. And, um, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Daryl's coughing up a storm over here. Um, Anyway, we're shooting something, and, like, it was just a long-ass day of shooting. It's stressful. I mm-hmm. hate shooting. Mm-hmm. I want everybody who wants, who listens to this out there who wants to make movies. Let me tell you something. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> the glamour is only on screen. Behind it and everywhere surrounding it is actually <laughs> horrifying. Oh, stressful. <laughs> so I don't shoot. That's like part of my deal. It's like I just don't do it. Um, mm-hmm. um, I like being an offset art director. I get sets ready. I give them to the shooting crews and I go, do whatever you want. Fucking take an axe to it if I, for all I like. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. care. Do whatever yeah. you want. Give yeah. me a schedule. It'll be ready. Do your thing and I'll do mine. It'll be ready on the day. That's right. So, um, but we just had some like scheduling conflicts with this thing and like some people had to drop out and I I just ended up having to cover basically. Mm. And so I'm already in a position where like I'm doing a job I don't normally do and then uh, this morning it was like, oh, do we have a this? You know, (laughs) like that tone sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm so far away from Fate of the Furious. I just got to get some, like, stuff off my chest, though. That's okay. And, like, there's people who thrive on that tone, you know? There's mm-hmm. people who thrive on that. Oh, do we have, you know, that? We don't, but I'd love to help you figure that out. Yeah, there's figure definitely it. people out there who are like, yeah, let's go fucking get... Me, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I can tell by your tone, you know I don't have this thing already. Right. And, like, it's Sunday, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to shoot on Sunday. Y- you all wanted to shoot on Sunday. But mm-hmm. what that means is 
It's 9 a.m. now. The setup you need this for is at 10.45. Everything opens at 11. Mm -hmm. So, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know, and um, this is stressful. I ended up calling everybody I knew in New York to try to find a thing. Um, finally I took, I stole my Teamster captain had a thing I was kind of looking for. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the right thing, but I pitched it and they were like, yeah, that'll work. Mm-hmm. So that's it. You started off the day on the wrong foot. Did things go awry throughout the day? No, things went better. I mean, like other people got yelled at and stressed out. You know what I mean? It's like it's mm-hmm. everybody's turn at a certain point on a movie set. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever gets yelled at. At least, like, I really never have experienced that on set. It does happen, but, like, I've never been around it. Um, But it's, like, stressful. It's, like, because there's 50 people in a room all getting paid a good amount of money to be there on the day mm-hmm. to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get it done, it's it's a huge fucking problem. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so any, like, seconds that you are wasting doing a thing that should have been done before is problematic. Mm-hmm. You know? That's just kind of how it rolls. Clogs everything up. Anyway, I had a good watch through. What was your... Favorite part of Fate and the Furious today? Hmm. Um. I mean, I I still like these opening scenes. Yeah. I think it's nice. I think it's nice. And what we talk about, um, uh, like tools they use in movies. I do like generally the unrelated action scene in the beginning of the movies before rolling the movie title. Yeah, the cold open. Cold open. Mm-hmm. Quite nice. Yeah. And. In this one in particular, um, Dom references, so he's taking apart his cousin's car. He is installing the Coke can onto the engine somewhere. Yep. And he says, hey, this is something I learned from the Buster. The Buster. Is he referring to, like, the first movie where, like, the, whatever, Brian, uh, has his whole danger to manifold situation. Oh. This is, this is potentially a question for our more um, car-savvy listeners here. Uh-huh. Is, that, is he talking about that particular thing? Or just like, hey, if you uh, blow up your engine while driving it, it'll get you to the finish line. Generate, right, it only needs to go a mile, yeah, right? It'll generate a lot of speed, but... It'll blow up your shit in the meantime. I never took it that way. Mm-mm. I don't know why. Okay, so I think it's like it's just like a poorly placed tribute to Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. That's how I've always felt about it. It's like it's like a callback. Oh, the Buster taught me how to do the Buster. Then I did notice on this watch. Sometimes like his voice is inaudible. <laughs> he just goes so like transmorphically into this thing that it's just like. The bus, the bus, the bus taught me. It's you can't even hear it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but he was like the buster taught me this, and then 
there's a point when he's racing when he's like, all right, Buster, let's see how this works. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, but the thing that doesn't work about it is it's a little bit country. It's a little bit of like a country hack, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a hillbilly turbo, like the Beverly Hillbillies kind of thing, which isn't Brian O'Connor's vibe, really. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, like his vibe was like throw FBI money at the problem. <laughs> yeah, more FBI money, more nitrous oxide. Uh huh. Just feed it into that engine. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought. Oh, I saw that. Sorry, it's late. Um, the Cuba so- scene. <laughs> What's the matter? It's not late. It's <laughs> it's eight forty five Eastern five time. Five o'clock this morning. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. I like it. Eight forty three is late for me, man. Eight forty three is time. It's time for me to go to bed. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Okay. The Cuba scene. I vibe in on the Cuba scene. I went mm-hmm. deep on something this week. First of all, I I do think it's like the scene where they're actually like trying something mm-hmm. different. Where I'm like, okay, yeah, I can get on board with this, basically. Um, but regardless of that, there's a line from, um, not the cousin, oh, maybe it is the cousin, but it's about the va- bad guy who's like, his car is the fastest car on the island. Mm-hmm. I did a little digging. <laughs> okay, and I was like, is that true? Because he, the bad guy, is driving a 57 Chevy Bel Air. Which is an old car. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know how they were talking about they like upgrade the motors or something, or blah, 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 blah. But I was like... There has to be like an '80s Russian like sedan that's fast. That's like faster than that car, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know, like U.S. cars didn't like they stopped in 1960, bringing them over. But there has to be something. So I was like looking it up. I stumbled across a video of like I think it was like a late stage post Jeremy Clarkson Top Gear where they went to Cuba. For like a travel special. Mm-hmm. And they dragged raced some of these modded, you know, Frankenstein hot rods and Bel Airs. And they went pretty fast. And they were talking about like 0.60 in 8 seconds, 0.60 in 7 seconds. Which like for a 70 year old car or 60 year old car is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I would say. I looked up the stock Bel Air from 57, maybe 0 to 60, and like it said the same thing, like 7.7 seconds. Okay, so I'm willing to give it, if you got like a Bel Air and you upgraded it over the past 56 years, 60 years, maybe you shave a couple seconds off that. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe 0 to 60, and like I'm going to give you 5.6 seconds, even. Okay, but I was like, and then I looked up all these Russian sports cars. Slow as shit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not fast at all. So like the evidence for the Bel Air that this guy drives being the fastest car on the island is good. Strong. So 
Wait, all right. I mean, this is a dumb question, but like uh-huh. they can't is that because they can't get any modern cars? They can't import cars from a lot of places, yes. Mm. I mean, I don't know if there's still I know the US still has an embargo. Hmm. Got it. So they but can't like, you wouldn't it's not possible to get a twenty twenty one Hana Accord in Cuba. No, because like also Jap I think the Japanese the U.S. is like, um, please don't export cars to Cuba. <laughs> and the Japanese are like, yeah, you got it, dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Got it. So, you know, we, we could debate the merits of that foreign policy another time, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, like, they don't get super up-to-date cars, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, I was looking around, I was like, Chevy Bel Air might be the fucking fastest, especially if somebody put, like, a monster boat in, like, maybe, <laughs> on the, it's a big island, though, I was like, I, there's gotta be a faster car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, Daryl, I found out that in 2016, the window that Obama opened the borders, kinda. Like for the fifteen sixteen, right? Infinity brought a Q sixty over to Cuba for a car commercial. The two thousand seventeen Infinity Q sixty three point zero turbo. Wow. Zero to sixty in four point five seconds. Wow. And therefore in my limited amount of research, is the fastest car on the island. Mm-hmm. That's where I got wow. to. Wow. That's mm-hmm. great research. The Q60 is a very nice car. It's a beautiful, it's a real good looking car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. It's like a Infinity's version of a, like a BMW coupe. Mm-hmm. Kind of Lexus-y. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a huge fan. Oh, huge. Um, I just like. I mean, if I were Dom, and it, it would be great if Dom was like, "Bring me the Q, the Q, the Q sixty. I'd like to speak to the owner of the Q sixty. <laughs> Nobody get the infinity reps over here. It would be funny if that happened, but I I understand why they didn't do that. <laughs> movie wise. Mm-hmm. hmm I don't know. What else about this movie? Like The Rock is bad in it again. Yeah. I think Michelle's pretty good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um she's kinda of doing everything. Although they don't let her do a ton. All she right. does is, like, yell, like, no, Dom wouldn't do that. And then spends one scene in bed with Dom. Two scenes driving next to him, giving him the look. Like, she are gives you sure? A, there's a lot of driving next to him, giving him the look. Are you sure? Of like, I've conceded to your soul. Which, mm-hmm. she does great. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. That's what she gets to do. She doesn't need to, like, fight anybody or punch anybody or kick anybody, really. Mm-hmm. You know, which would be nice. Do you think Cypher 
accurately sees into Dom's soul. So she gives a little monologue on the plane. It's not what you're, you're not interested in family. You're interested in freedom. Mm. Mm. And we will, yeah, without getting too crazy into it, like, do you think her monologue and her assessment of Dom and his values and his motivations, um, do you think it supports sort of, do you think it supports Fast 9 and the outcome that we see there? Or do you think it is in contrast to it? She talks about family is not important to you. Like, you're about freedom. Freedom, freedom. No, I don't really think so. I mean, Dom makes it clear he's a pure, pretty loyal dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there is this thing with Dom that, like, he wants to be a free soul, right? Like, Yeah, it's a compelling argument on Cypher's part. Where do we find Dom in the beginning of Nine? He's, like, living in a farm in, like, Idaho. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That's, like, my great fantasy was, like, to buy a shack on uh, some land in Montana, you know? (laughs) It's, like, living out there. That sounds terrifying to me. Terrifying. I don't. Live, I don't know what I would do with myself out there. I don't know. I'd probably just like drink myself to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the freedom you need? Uh, I mean, it sounds great out there. You know. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, I never. He does have this little touch that's like I just want to like be free of responsibility, free of like. Trouble. Mm-hmm. Trouble. I think the trouble thing, you know, is a, is a thing. Mm-hmm. He's been sort of hunted down his whole life, right? In and out of prison. Everyone cast him aside as just like another troubled kid. Mm-hmm. Never make anything of himself. Now look at him. He's like an international super spy race car driver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, he's converted the people who are chasing it mm-hmm. into his friends and allies. His personality is so magnetic that they, don't, they have no choice but to, like, come around to his way of things. Mm-hmm. But I think, unlike the... I do think, unlike Brian O'Connor, who we see in Seven, like... They really make a hammer at home. That's like he misses the bullets and the action. Like he wants to be in the middle of it. He doesn't really want to settle down. I think Dom. Fuck. Um. I think Dom is like, yeah, no, I'm good to just hang out and chill mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my theory. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if she can, quote, see into his soul, per se. Maybe with God's eye, once she gets God's eye. Well, it's interesting, because in some of the movies, um, Letty alludes to, like, this is what we do. Like, we like this is where we prosper, is running away from the cops, stealing gas, doing all this stuff. Like, it's interesting that her perception of their relationship is based on a lot of this action that they see mm-hmm. in and out. And... Yeah. That's in contrast to Dom's thing, which is that I'd rather live without it. And that, yeah, with family and with peace. 
Yeah, a little that's Brian. That's the thing that he's working toward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I'm with you. I think he's the only one of the crew who could really settle down that way. Like, do mm-hmm. you think Tej, at the end of five, when he has, like, a garage, right? Do you think he'd be, like, satisfied just, like, working in that garage for the rest of his life if six didn't come along? I think he would. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so maybe Dom and Tej. <laughs> Dom, Tej, settle down. I mean, it seems like Roman also wants, he just wants to go and live it up. He doesn't need to go necessarily um, take on more missions. Yeah. Fly to space. Blow up a yeah. submarine. Yeah. Yeah. Mia would settle down. Mm-hmm. I think she enjoys her settling down thing with Brian. So that's where we're at with these movies. Uh, they're, this they're is only, the most boring podcast we've ever produced in our they're life. They're reeling they're reeling all the characters in against their will is what's happening here. Yeah, I mean there's definitely tension there, which I think is good. I wish Mia was in this movie. I think mm-hmm. that would be good. Like I think it was a really good choice to bring her back for nine. It was, like, fun having her and Letty be, like, spy, Tokyo spies. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to watch it this cycle again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I'm at. You got anything else? Mostly no. You want to yeah. hit these shout-outs and wrap this shit up? Yeah. <laughs> what are you shouting out to this week? Um... I don't know. I have a lame one. I did a sports one like last week, kind of, but I have another sports one. Okay. Chris Sale is back, and I'm fucking pumped about it. Okay. <laughs> Chris Sale is a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. And uh, in 2019, he had to have Tommy John surgery on his elbow. And after 760 something days, he has pitched again for the Boston Red Sox, and he, he was on a fucking fire yesterday. Nice. And I loved it. What do we know? Strikeouts. I've never heard of the Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. What does that entail? It's a pretty common surgery for pitchers mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball and almost nobody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but because pitching is the most unnatural motion in sports, uh, it really fucks your elbow to death basically. And so I don't know... Tommy John was a pitcher who this surgery is named after. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact what they do in Tommy John surgery, but they do something where they like detach your ligaments and then realign them and then like re- reattach them in a way that's good. Hmm. So it can handle more stress? Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's not stretching as much in the motion that you need it to be in when you're pitching. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. surgery was successful. Yeah, it's a very successful surgery generally, mm-hmm. which is good. Actually, you know what? Fuck Chris Sale. I don't want to get all like political on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tommy John surgery. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. Whoever nice. invented that rule. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy Johns, for allowing us to enjoy hundred mile an hour heaters in Major yeah. League Baseball. <laughs> and like just disgusting curveballs, like just fucking paint in the corners. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Tommy John. Thanks to Doctor whatever your name was that invented Tommy John's. <laughs> that shit mm-hmm. is awesome. <laughs> Okay. I like that. Uh, and if I ever need it, I'm glad it's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Still, mm-hmm. I still, I do think sometimes about becoming a major league baseball pitcher uh-huh. at this point, you know? You ever, um, you ever speed checked a pitch of mm-hmm. your own? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. did you top out at? 54 miles per <laughs> hour. <laughs> I bet I could actually throw a little faster than that now, uh-huh. but not much faster. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'd like uh, to try that sometime. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I would pitch. I will say my aim is not very good. Even if I throw a heater, it's going to be in, getting it in the strike zone is the difficult part. For I think me. I could get it in the strike zone. <laughs> we should go do this somewhere. I bet there's a place in New York to. City to do this, and uh-huh. we should definitely go do it. <laughs> You know, I rode by a, um, I rode by a like speed capture thing on my bike the other day. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think the speed limit was maybe forty miles an hour, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, let's see what we got here. No. And we rode by as a group. We were going nine. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so nervous. Get out of here. <laughs> you know how I feel about these bicycles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The future is cars. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what do you want to shout out to this week? Mm. So, um, uh, yeah, I've been on local vacation for the past couple of weeks. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed, and I really think everybody should enjoy, they don't call it this anymore. It's the early bird special. Okay? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got a, all kinds of wonderful restaurants that we've been able to dine at. Um in yeah, in New York, and a lot of them are still. A lot of them will close for the afternoon. They'll take an hour off between three and four. Mm-hmm. Get there right at four. Mm. It's amazing, and it really mm. sets. It really, it really makes. And yeah, if you're if you're the type of person who wakes up early, like you start to wind things down. Don't point at, at me when you say seven forty five, seven fifty five. I don't wake up early by choice. <laughs> I wake up early. Because it's my job. Right, it right. It's torturous every day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So the early bird special is absolutely the way to go. I mean, the era of getting a 9 o'clock reservation for any sort of dinner is so dead. All right? You want to be getting that first slot. Okay? 4, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. The 4 p.m. is the way to go. The wait staff is all prepped. Like, they... You, like the past couple times we've done it, you can see them. They have a little meeting. They have a new waiter that they're onboarding. Like everybody's prepped. They're ready to go. It's great. Here's the problem with getting in. Like if you're going to a nice place mm-hmm. at four, you'll never get a reservation. Because all the blue hairs sit around. Like they can just they have all day to sit around and make reservations. It's all they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And those are the people that really want to eat at 4 p.m. 
So if you're not on it, you know, they just gobble up all those slots, <laughs> gobble up all those tables, and then you're like, fuck. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had some good success with it. So we had some very nice dinners early, though, and it was wonderful. Like, if you wrap everything up before the sun sets, you get home, you still have a wonderful evening. Good. You're not My packed problem. to the gills. Yeah. Like, Are you getting hungry? At 11 p.m.? Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, here's the sometimes. flaw in Daryl's plan. <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes I'm satisfied. Even if I, you know, like, totally gorge myself, I order everything on the menu that it looks interesting. Yesterday, we had a really nice dinner. It was spicy, too. I was like, oh, mm. we're definitely going to be done for the night. I also ended up eating a bowl and a half of pasta and a half carton of ice cream at like 11 o'clock. Yeah, dog. That's the problem. There's your flaw. There's the flaw. That's the big problem. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. Can't make it happen like that. So, anyway. Well, if you want to make it happen with us, it's... You can find us on Twitter at Nolt Podcast, uh, N-L-O-L-T-T Podcast. We are No One Likes the Tuna Podcast on Instagram, No One Likes the Tuna Podcast at gmail.com, patreon.com slash No One Likes the Tuna Podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you catch your pods, baby. Um, I think I got them all. Well, that's it. Cool. We got a spicy meatball of a wedding to go to next weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we also going to do a Fast 9 watch? Oh! For our next movie? <laughs> yes! Okay. I this I feel city, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Right? Right? Arr, arr. So, okay. yeah. Those are the two. Yeah, one of the two uh, markers that we had to work with. Start with Hobbs and hit... Mm-hmm. Nine in conjunction with our wedding. So yeah. it's on the schedule. We'll coordinate on how to watch it. But cool. that's also why we had to watch eight today. Sounds because perfect, though, my man. you got to watch eight and nine together. Okay. This will be interesting. I don't think you have to, but <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, I will talk to you in a few days. Sounds good. Till next time.